0: Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast, first impressions edition, the first one of the season. We don't do them in the preseason because, let's be honest, the preseason games do not matter. Um, Indianapolis Colts lost today 31-21 to to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are projected to win the AFC South. Indianapolis was in it for a while. Um, they took the lead in the second half on one of the weirdest plays. This will come back up again later. In this podcast, and on one of the weirdest plays you're going to see in a while, mm-hmm. a- and then ultimately the the offense kind of sputtered um, down the stretch, and the defense wasn't able to to keep going back out there. So, Colts end up losing. It was a kind of the expected result. Um, I, is it weird to say that a lot of this felt expected? Where, where do you fall?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I kind of like week one's weird, so it's like you open the door for the fact that there may be something totally unexpected. Um, for example, the Bengals scoring three points and Joe Burrow having less than 100 yards—like weird stuff happens in Week One sometimes. But this was how this game was supposed to go because you know it looked like you know a team that hired a new coach in Shane and Shane Steichen. They've got Jim Bob Cooter. They're they're very much about offensive game planning. The there's a newness to how uh, sort of a uh, an unknown element to how they were going to operate with Anthony Richardson. So he, they were able to. Build some success with them. Colts were able to hang in it, you know, with a defense that that we saw last year, you know, would hold them in games and do their best. But ultimately, it's a talent, you know, it's a talent league, and uh, it, this just very much played out to where once it felt like the game scripts were done, and it was that chess match wasn't so much the deal. What it became about players down the stretch, you know, one of these teams has Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley, and the other one is nowhere near that. You know, on offense, just in a totally different stage of the of the rebuild and other stuff we'll get to about maybe the support around Anthony Richardson. But I guess the one thing I thought we would see a little more, I thought we'd see a little bit more of the upside of Anthony Richardson. But the Jaguars did a good job of sort of just containing that. But we didn't see the downside, really much downside in him either. So it was, you know, a rookie quarterback managed by his coaching staff like he's a rookie quarterback looked like kind of a college scheme just first time they're rolling it out like i've said i think they're going to build this and build this and build this throughout the year uh but yeah mostly this was this result went exactly how it was supposed to go i didn't
0: love i didn't love that that what you just alluded to that we didn't get to see the upside of richardson i i didn't love the um like i would have liked to have seen more quarterback runs especially as the game went on and the running back running game for the colts was abysmal uh, atrocious. I, I can can come keep, try to keep coming up with words, but there's not a lot of them. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen more Richardson for a, most of the game, really the entire game. He was the only thing that was working in the running game. I also would have liked to have seen them take some shots down the field. Steichen said after the game you know that th- when they dialed some up, the Jaguars took them away, and, and I kind of point blank asked if uh, if there were any plays that he thought that, that was available and they didn't throw it down the field, and he said no, and that's bad. Yeah. Um, especially with, you know, Richardson's profile and Alec Pierce's profile and, and just, you know, just this is supposed to be an offense that's about explosive plays. They had, if you're counting a 10-yard run and a 20-yard pass as an explosive play, they had,
1: it looks like four, four explosive plays. and All in the passing game, right?
0: No, there's one 10-yard run by Richardson. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, It was only a 12-yard run. It's not like it was a huge explosive play. It was,
1: you know, the the explosiveness of the offense is not something we saw today. No, I mean, the closest one, Michael Pittman taking the screen 39 yards of the house, is the only real explosive. And it wasn't designed to be. Right, right. It was, yeah, it's a screen. So, I mean, it's like the other plays were a 20-yard catch from Ogletree, 22-yard catch from Josh Downs. These were sort of just catch and run moments that they had it just that yeah the air yards on both of those are not
0: well the air yards on the Tree one was an actual 20 yard, 15 20 yard throw yeah field. but the downs one was not the downs one was just a slant that he beat the corner um or beat the slot the slot defensive back i'm not sure if it was a corner or safety but it and, feels kind of fitting because with it
1: michael pittman's so that's the one that's over 22 yards it's michael pittman's screen and it really felt today like they had one playmaker out there it was michael pittman jr and you know, we'll get into that. I'm sure in the categories more, but it just one team had more playmakers or at least maybe not way more playmakers, but a much more developed quarterback and then a playmaker in Calvin Ridley that the Colts didn't know what to do with. And uh, there just wasn't a counterpunch from the Colts side.
0: Well, I, I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I think I think more way more playmakers is fair. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of the two rosters, like if you're looking at the Jaguars, like obviously Ridley had had the big game. Uh, eight catches for 101 yards, but Zay Jones's catch, yeah, that was cool. On the touchdown was really like that's a, that's that's a receiver making a play. It was an un- unbelievable throw by Lawrence, but it al- it also required the receiver to make a play. Uh, Travis at the end didn't really have a great game. I, I think that the Colts defensive line is going to make r- running hard for most teams, but he did salt the game away with a 26-yard burst, which mm-hmm. is like more yards than the Colts running backs had in the entire day. That's true. Yep. The 26-yard touchdown run by Travis Etienne is more yards than the entire Colts running back core had in the entire day. They had 25. <laughs> that's a wild. St- well, that's this a, one of the categories. Later is is number. Okay. And like I'll save. Can mine. I just use that one? I yes, feel like you that's can. Like, I just came up with it. I might just use that one.
1: I'm saving mine, but it's related to that.
0: Um, you know, so I, I think I think that's fair. I think the the playmakers piece of it is is absolutely fair in terms of the offenses for sure Christian Kirk didn't do much today but he didn't really have to um I'd have to go back and look but did it feel to you like the Jaguars did the expected thing and just attacked the outside corners and kind of left Kenny Moore alone
1: yeah I I felt that I because I I mean just not a Dave really for Christian Kirk I mean one catch for nine yards and that was their leading receiver last year only He's, three targets three targets he operates out of the slot so yeah that was that part of what their game plan was smart what I didn't understand is just how many times they kept running up the middle when <laughs> <laughs> the carries. one thing you don't do against the Colts is run it to force Buckner and Grover Stewart and Zaire Franklin when you could throw it you know at these these young cornerbacks so that to me I feel like the Jaguars kind of kept the Colts in this and also shout out to you know DeForest Buckner helped keep them in it too but it really was a more talented team that you see this like all the time in college football where eventually like the more talented team just figures it out pulls away that's in NFL terms that's kind of what today felt like
0: yeah yeah they were they were around they hung around it's kind of explicable how they hung around and then and
1: then at the end um
0: put it away I mean Offensively, just to get into like the lack of explosion and stuff like that, the Colts. Uh, we got let's let's throw out the 17 play drive that came away with nothing once it was basically decided, but the drives before that. Two plays, I'm going backwards now. I'm starting at that drive and going backwards from the fourth quarter. Two plays, three plays, three plays, four plays, three plays, six plays for a touchdown. That's the Pittman one. Before that, three plays, three plays, four plays, and four plays. And what was the time of possession? Does it list that? Uh, time of possession total, Jacksonville, 33 minutes and 37 seconds. Indianapolis, 26 minutes and 23 seconds. Essentially, basically, essentially, if you look at the drive chart, the Colts had three drives. They had 11-play, 75-yard drive for their first touchdown. They had a six-play, 63-yard drive for the Pittman touchdown. And they had a seventeen play, seventy-four yard drive that didn't end with a score at the very end of the game. That's and 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 outside of those, they did not have another they didn't have any other drives that went more than four plays. Well what I just noticed. that's really remarkable. Like I, I, I knew about the last five. I didn't realize it was one, two, three, four, five, six. It's eleven the Colts had eleven drives that lasted four plays or fewer. <laughs> And gained eleven yard and gained net yards of nine yards or fewer. Yeah, and I just 11 noticed eleven
1: series. The time of possession breakdown by a quarter: the Colts led after the first quarter, but in the final three quarters, they had they possessed it for seventeen minutes total across three quarters. And honestly, it's like what some of this is to be expected because this offense. It's kind of built to be a little boom or bust with Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. That's sort of his profile right now. Till they develop the consistency and you know, and, and some of the accuracy and all of that. It's uh, you know, you, you mix in Alec Pierce. There's there's should be there's going to be some element of that. They've lost some of the singles and doubles in their offense with Jonathan Taylor and with you know the tight end injuries. But this was this was sort of the extreme version of it. That I think what ended up happening was. A defense, especially a run defense, that was playing out of its mind for a lot of this game. That's when they just they just kind of wore down. Looking at, the at, it. Looking at that, the Colts' offense was worse than I thought.
0: Is that fair? Yeah. If you have eleven drives that failed to gain more than nine yards, that's that that feels bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many total yards to be, did they have? In to this be. Game? Like
0: just to compare uh-huh. to what the Jaguars did today, Jaguars had seven s- drives that gained more than nine yards, and and nine is is really underselling it there. That's actually seven drives that gained more than twenty five yards total. I think the, that looking at the looking at the drive chart, it, it feels like the Colts' offense was worse than it felt like in in real real
1: time well they averaged 4.1 yards of play as an offense that isn't great um and it just feels like that's that 39 yarder is like the outlier to that is just the run game didn't average anything obviously and then it's just the passing game i mean they made, they completed a high percentage i guess that's the one thing that we talk about what was expected you know we hear a lot about anthony Richardson completion percentage in college and that's supposed to be a work in progress they did a nice job of scheming up enough and 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 he played well enough within that to complete a high number of passes I think he uh finished 24 of 37 so you know in terms of that that was pretty good but it's just in terms of what those actually did the the production the the explosiveness and the consistency of you know the run game it that stuff wasn't there
0: yeah uh the Jaguars only ended up out gaining the Colts by sixty two yards, but man, that stat's that's gonna
1: stick with me. The lack of sustained drives. Well and that like that seventeen play drive is what sort of like flipped it at the end. The Jaguars didn't, you know, answer to that. So right. they just kind of needed it right. at the end so of the day. So it was
0: actually it was actually three forty two to two
1: oh six before that. Yeah. And that's ultimately where this was, is it just felt like and honestly like the only reason like I, I said I didn't understand why the Jaguars were running it. They had a couple three-and-outs where they just, like, ran three times and punted. So it was like they – it could have been worse than that, if I I think, if they had kind of just stuck to the idea of throwing against a team that, you know, wasn't really built to stop that as well. We've been – we, that's kind of our
0: overview. Let's get into the categories. We we, we kind of switched at the at some point last season to doing categories. Kind of break these up and kind of focus us a little bit um, in terms of it. I, I've already given my number, so I'm gonna. This is a little bit out of or- out of order, but uh, for what we did last year. But what what did you get? Yeah, you, you said you had a number in mind.
1: I do, and I got to shout out. Um, Kevin Bowen looked this up and and was able to track it down. Uh, but. Sorry to single the guy out, but it's an incredible stat. Deion Jackson. Um, so he had 13 carries for 14 yards. You know, he got to start because no Zach Moss, no Jonathan Taylor, and we got to see what a third stringer looks like. But that that is the fewest uh, fewest rushing yards for some for an Indianapolis Colt with at least 12 carries. It's it's the second fewest in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. What's the worst? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Like what's that? But, I mean, they
0: were they were like this is he's not a Colt, but like. I know there was some Barry Sanders games back in the day where he had like negative three or something because of it. I don't know. I don't know if it was Trent Richardson or who knows. That's a, that's a very interesting, I would love to know who the, who the, who the worst one was. I'll have to ask Kevin next time I see him. Um, the, uh, yeah. So, so there's your number that that's remarkable. Second worst in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, that's a lot of years now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's get into the, let's get into the rest of the categories. let Nate doesn't love some of these, but this is what we started, and so that's why yeah. I'm gonna stay with it. So here we go. We're, we're gonna go play by hero. the rules of the game. Yep, you got yeah, and it's your fault because I made up the rules, <laughs> <laughs> and you let me. <laughs> First category: hero of the game. Well This is a Colts podcast. Generally, we don't get into like the Jaguars' hero of the game. So, Colts from a Colts' perspective, hero of the game.
1: Oh, by the way, the one rule, the only rule I like to add to this is you. We can't double up. So one pick person picks one you have to pick a different thing yeah I might bend that rule a little bit okay um well to me the hero of the game is DeForest Buckner and we'll get more into the actual the play itself that obviously that was the highlight play the the strip sack where he scored a touchdown but more than that too I mean DeForest we talk about that run defense keeping them in it that was DeForest just taking on double teams blowing things up I think the Colt I thought the Colts defensive line for a lot of this dominated the the Jaguars offensive line is was, was the best thing that they did in this game and DeForest is always you know sort of the center of that and kind of the guy that it all revolves around and so it's it's just neat to see um, them build rush packages around him where you know you can bump Dio Dangbo next to him inside you can occasionally you can put DeForest on the edge which I didn't see as much this game but they'll do that sometimes DeForest Buckner just we, we talked about you know, having those high-level playmakers who mostly were focused on the offense. That's not my thing is I just – with this team, it's so young that I'm not sure how many guys they have are going to like do that game-changing type of play. But DeForest is one of the guys that you could definitely say, yes, he's an all-pro in his prime. He can do that. Today he showed out and did that, and I thought that was the number one reason that they had a chance.
0: Yeah, final stat line for DeForest Buckner, seven tackles, one sack. Tackle for loss, two quarterback hits, and obviously a fumble forced and a fumble recovered and a touchdown. It's pretty good. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty good, especially for a defensive tackle. Um, Here are the game for me, not doubling up. Um, Man, I want to give this to somebody on the offense, and it's probably Michael Pittman Jr. Um, It's not where I thought you were gonna go. It's, it's, but I think I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna. use who I was going to use for unsung and just go Zaire Franklin yeah
1: that's what I figured you'd do um
0: because really I think the defense is the biggest reason they were in the game I mean obviously the the Colt or the Jaguars offense you know got two touchdown drives in the first half they, were, they had 14 but the only reason they were still in it was kind of was because of the defense and Zaire Franklin's line today 18 tackles 18 <laughs> Is a lot of tackles. That's wild. Uh, Eighteen tackles, one pass broken up, and then the force—the forced fumble. Which, um, again, I'm saving this for another category. But it, it was—it was a good forced fumble. It, Zaire Franklin, the, the middle of that defense, um, the middle of that defense was 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 very stout today. And the, the the Jaguars only had three yards per carry. It was worse than that before that last run by by Travis at the end. Um, i think i think some of those veterans that they have up front in that front seven uh probably should give you some hope going forward i mean they had two sacks today uh that's a that's a quarterback that gets the ball out of his hands really really fast um and so th- i thought that they did i thought they did a pr- a pretty decent job against them um for most of the game so i i will, we'll start there uh let's let's go let's go unsung hero next Let's keep our
1: brains in the positive side mm-hmm. for a little bit. Uh well, just because we didn't use him in this last segment, I'll go with Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, the offense didn't do a lot, so the offense did not have a heroic, you know, finish to this. But the only reason that they really created anything in the second half was Michael Pittman, and it's crazy that at halftime I believe he had he had zero catches, right? Yes, and then he finished with eight catches for 97 yards of touchdown. I believe
0: he, I believe he'd been credited with one target at that point, but it was on a batted pass. Let's so not even. Like, yeah, so that like means
1: okay. So even if we take that in the second half, he had 10 targets, caught eight of them for 97 and touchdown. Like that's highly efficient. It's explosive. He had the long gain touchdown. Uh, he was, he was a guy you need someone to step up. I was, it was like, someone has to step up, and he he did that and he gave him a chance. Ultimately, it wasn't enough to. The one man show, but that was that was a pretty good one man show.
0: Unsung hero, I'll go. I'll go Quitty Pay. Uh, he had the sack. Uh, had two tackles for loss. He's always been good in the run game. He's a second effort rusher, and I think, I think that sometimes that I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep beating this drum. Like, peop, second effort rushers are talked about in like a way where they're they're not valuable and they're not good to have. They are, especially if they play the run really well. It's just that the Colts don't have the primary rusher on the other side that would really make him pop Mm -hmm. you know but but that sack is still a sack like that he had six sacks last season if you have a guy like your second defensive end if it, it, it as a pass rusher like if you're getting six eight nine seven those numbers of sacks with that guy like that that's absolutely worth a first round pick you know and if it's second effort that's that's also fine like Gus Bradley says this all the time those sacks count um, and and I think Colts fans should really understand that because for a long time here, um, there were a lot of quarterbacks stepping out and scrambling out and getting picking up extra yardage. The stuff that like the way Pay got his sack today it closes down on that. He Trevor Lawrence tried to step up, tried to scramble out. Pay disengaged from his block and made a sack. Um, and then in the run game, he's been very very good throughout training camp. I, I was very impressed with the Colts run defense more so than the Colts pass defense today. And so I'm gonna go with the defensive line. We're gonna move to the next category. This is the one that Nate does not like. Um, I cannot come up with a nicer way to say this. Maybe somebody else can, but we've already used hero, so we're gonna go with villain.
1: Uh yeah. I, I it's not my favorite because it's it's it's
0: just kind of Nate arch. thinks it implies intent, but it doesn't necessarily imply intent. Like think about it from like a superhero movie type of way. They always like the villains nowadays. So few of them actually have intent. They're just trying to do something good, and they just go about it the wrong way. Think about okay, that. Way. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. I, I like that framing because I'm going to have to go with Deion Jackson. I'm doubling up on the number, but I like the way you frame that though because I want to point out that like Dion Jackson shouldn't be your Week One starting running back. He is a developing player, and I think he's definitely earned a spot on a team as a third stringer who can you know who can add stuff as a receiver on third down who can do some things on special teams, like there's value to that. Being the primary runner, that's just not Deion Jackson's background, not his strength, I don't think. You know, we're talking about a guy who was a converted wide receiver senior year of high school. So he's been sort of catching up as a running back um, for a few years. I think he's made some strides. He's gotten stronger. But it's it just was not, you know, anywhere close to – it was just a reminder of kind of what they don't have of, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Not out there because the the drop off is tremendous, and Dion it just was tough. he got put in a position where he had to do that, and just things kind of snowballed on him, you know the two fumbles as well, and um just just was not uh you know I never really thought they were gonna replace Jonathan Taylor, but we heard a lot about you know the running back by committee, and it's like can they do enough? Can you scheme this stuff like that That was. You know that was very far off the all-pro running back, which I think is what they kind of needed in a game like this to really ease their rookie quarterback in. Was to have that that run game, and it just wasn't there.
0: Um, I I think I'm going to go with Shane Steichen here. Hmm. I just think you know, I the looking through that drive chart. Thinking about the way the offense played, the way the game plan was set up, um, there was some success from him. It's I, I think that I think that he did. He obviously set up Anthony Richardson to have success, and he did early. I mean, at one point he was 16 of 20. Um, but ultimately, like in terms of of winning the football game, testing Richardson a little bit, uh, you know. The game plan didn't end up doing it, you know, and, and what, what they it, – it helped him. Um, I, I, It's tough to go full on with this, but it's just like there was a lack of explosiveness to the offense. And everything we've heard about this offense is we want explosives, we want explosives, we want explosives. It just didn't feel like there – it didn't – it's not that it did, just that they didn't have any. It felt like there were ways that they could have emphasized trying to get that and didn't. There was no, like, obvious shot down the field. There was no um, – there wasn't a lot of designed runs. There were less designed runs than I was expecting. At one point in, I think on the third series, right before his, right before Richardson's first carry, I was like, I looked at you and I was like, I'm starting to get mad that we haven't seen Anthony
1: Richardson <laughs> run yet. Um, we we're getting testy about that.
0: And and then I mean he like, he ended up with ten carries, but it just didn't feel. It it wasn't as much of an unveiling of of what Steichen wants to do on offense as I think I wanted.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And,
0: and, and the, the, the thing is, like, ultimately, that might be better for Richardson in the long run. But in terms of this game, which is what this podcast is about, I think it ultimately hurt them.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we've heard s- for so long about how they were intentionally vanilla the preseason. They're holding stuff back, holding it back. This is the week they were going to unveil it. I understand why. Uh, that's why I've, I've tried to pump the brakes a little on that just because I thought the rookie quarterback, I don't know. Just how advanced they want to try and be early on. It's kind of similar to what he did with Jalen Hurts, sort of this slower build. But I thought there would be a couple things we'd see that I'm like, oh, that's that's very new. That's the Shane Steichen staple, something like that. And there's a, obviously there's a formationally
0: little bit. there was some fun stuff. Yeah, like it was put, put like you know pistol and stuff like that. And maybe this know.
1: is where it's like you know it's ex- is it execution or is it the play call? It's I mean obviously it's they go hand in hand, but like the rugby you know the rugby style QB sneak it, it it didn't work and it was like so maybe we just pinned that on the players but it just we didn't quite have that thing that was like oh that's what this coaching change was all about was was bringing that and again that's like you said it, it may send them up better and they're going to build from this and one game is not going <laughs> to by any means define whether this is working but within this game i did i was hoping to see just something that would be unique you know, out of the box, or creating an explosive, and outside of a you know a screen pass to Michael Pittman Jr., there wasn't really much that felt like it even had a chance to be explosive, and so that was a little underwhelming.
0: Unsung villain. I'll let you think about this one a little bit. Um, from an unsung villain perspective, like this is maybe the this is maybe where. The, the where I can see your, your complaint on the category name. But, again, I can't think of another one. Um, like, I, I thought Anthony Richardson overall played well uh, for his first start for a rookie. But, you know, once the game, once the Colts had the lead down the stretch, like, there were some bad misses. There mm-hmm. were some bad misses that could have moved the chains, that had, could have given them a chance to win. Um, I also thought that, like, the the Jaguars had three sacks. Uh, one of them, one of them four maybe, sacks. Oh, well they had four sacks, but three of those sacks. So one of them, this this could be on the receivers too. So maybe I'm maybe I can let you have unsung villain for the receivers. Um, but like the first one, Braden Smith, quote unquote, gave up the sack, but he ran the defensive end around the backside. He was, ran Josh Allen Josh around Allen. the backside. Of Richardson. Like, he should have, it should have been a play where he let him run himself out of the play. And that turned into a sack because he held the ball. And, and, and then the other two were a really rough series where, uh, there were two scrambles out to the side. Josh Allen ran him down twice, basically at the line of scrimmage or behind it. So they were like, they're not like this, the sort of like the classic sack, mm-hmm. but as a one yard sack and a no yard sack. And then how did that drive end? Because the third play was also bad. Um, I'll find it. I, I'm just like again, I I thought overall Richardson played well. In the second half, towards the end, that like some of the inaccuracy stuff started to sh- creep up. There were some some very clear misses over the middle. Like there was one to Josh Downs that I'm thinking of, like Downs settled in a place that was very obviously like this is where the ball should go. The ball went behind him. He reached out with one hand and tried to grab it. And so he got his hand on it. Oh, the third play <laughs> I found the third play. The third play was the was the wild left-handed completion to Deion <laughs> <Gian> Jackson. <laughs> oh. Um which actually actually I don't know. He completed it. I, I'm, yeah. not gonna, I'm not going to I'm not going to kill him for that third one. down. But the the two scrambles and everything. Like I there was a little bit of like the force a little bit of the force sacks is kind of on on Richardson. Just so, you know, I don't know how much, but a little bit of it. Um and and that's not to say that, that like it was a bad start or anything like, but th- there there was I think there was more batting in or there was more rookie moments in the in the start than maybe the stat line shows.
1: I think that's true. I I noticed a couple of plays where he just he did have open receivers that I he didn't see and then there's one or two that just he, he could have gotten the ball out a little quicker. That would have given them a little bit better of a chance of an explosive gain instead of kind of seeing it a little late, which is just rookie stuff. You know, he's he's going to learn how to see it faster. The the no, thing he said is the number 1 lesson which is kind of what you expected is the speed of the game was just so much faster than he's used to he played in the sec so it's not like he you know he's coming from a really low level but not a lot of games down there and so that's the adjustment that he's having so uh, so i can see that i like I, overall i think he he did not lose them the game he also didn't go out and win it and so you know when again we're,
0: this podcast is about this game yeah, like that's that's a first impressions podcast is about what we just saw, like the result yeah. in this game, so and that's, that's
1: where it's a fair unsung villain because even though it's it's a high bar, but he is the starting quarterback. Quarterbacks win you games most of the time. Trevor Lawrence went out there and won the game. Anthony Richardson, lot on his plate, but didn't didn't have that moment yet. So maybe down the road, we'll get to see that, but it didn't happen today. Are you gonna take the uh, fan favorite unsung villain that I lobbed to you? I think I am gonna take that. I was think I was torn between the offensive line and the receivers. But I am going to go more the wide receivers, and obviously for me, Michael Pittman gets the exception here because he. But I guess if we saw him as a group, uh, but Pittman was my unsung hero. But the other wide receivers on this team combined for thirty-five yards, and Josh Downs got all of that very early. In thirty, yeah, thirty yards from Josh Downs, but he was he got targeted seven times and had three catches for thirty yards. Alec Pierce just one catch for five yards, had a penalty. As well, um, that he more or less, you know, I think he he more or less admitted he um, was on him and just like didn't see Isaiah McKenzie. I don't know if he he was out there. It's just like other groups, the running backs. This is what I'm saying why I felt bad with Dion is that he's supposed to be a third stringer. They're without Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. At tight end, they're without Jelani Woods. Drew Ogletree got hurt. Like some of these, you know, you're down to your third or fourth guy. The wide receivers didn't have that excuse here. I mean, they've got the top four guys that they had coming into training camp. And at some point, those guys have to help lift the rookie. They have to make a play. They have to get open in zone coverage. What's happened a lot is the Jaguars are playing too high and and just trying to take away the explosive. Well, then you got to win underneath that. And they just, outside of Michael Pittman, and really taking over the second half, but even you could throw him in it a little bit because the first half he didn't have a catch. So the consistency wasn't all there. It just like this was... I didn't you, you didn't expect a banner day for a rookie quarterback who's developing but you'd like to think that the receivers could help lift that player up when he's doing the best he could and I just I didn't see a whole lot out of that group. Time for the interlude. This is the
0: this is the sort of fun part of it. Uh so game day observation. Do you have one? Do you have one right off the top of your head? I have a really dumb one.
1: Uh I don't have one at the moment. Uh
0: the the dumb one I have. So there's this like I don't know, like, it's an SUV or a ATV or something. I couldn't tell exactly what it was from the press box that blue was on early, okay? Mm-hmm. And from from the press box, the only thing that made it Coltsy was, like, these two super light-up, like, blue cords on the back. Like, mm. just go all Colts with that vehicle. <laughs> like, make it so, like, you could tell it's a Colts vehicle from space. <laughs> wow, that's... Yeah. This is a weird game day. I'll throw in a positive game day observation. Kenny Wayne Shepherd was great on the National Anthem. Really cool yes. National Anthem. That's just a, just on the one. guitar. I love that. But whatever this vehicle is, like, like if you're going to have a vehicle that Blue is riding on, it should be as cartoonish as Blue.
1: Was that around the time when you were suggesting you wanted an actual horse? I, I still want an actual horse. That's true. <laughs> that would I, be interesting I, on I, turf. I, I, I have
0: nothing against Blue. I have nothing against Blue at all. I think Blue is a great mascot. The throwing... The ball into the bucket is awesome. Like, the reactions are awesome. The hips thing is awesome. Like, all, blue's great. I just think that you could have like a colt, but but here's here's the twist on it though. Like, I don't want you to bring out like a like regular size colt. Like,
1: let's make it like a Belgian
0: <laughs> <laughs> or like a Clydesdale or something. So it's a colt. Clydesdale but would be fun. So it's a colt, but it's huge.
1: <laughs> Clydesdale would be would be. I really Flazio want. Live, be I really
0: want. I really want. I want. I really want a live version of Blue. Yeah, live mascots are epic. That would be. And it's a horse. Like it's not even like like uh, you know live yeah, mascots are great. And you don't want a live mascot where you're like, you know, it's bad for the animal or whatever. But it's a horse. Horses do this kind of thing. Yeah.
1: You can chill out there on the sideline, just run up and n- you, can't you just, have a blue. Horse. You just hope like a player doesn't run into him. That would be scary. Yeah. So you'd I have mean, to, I you have to you have to watch out for. You it, could
0: scare one of your opponents. Was it Eric yeah. Berry who was terrified of horses?
1: That's true. There was, you know, what I mean, like a live horse would be great. You just have him kind of clomping his his hoofs behind the other team, and just he like just has to stand it. If the, the
0: guy has a horse phobia, he just has to stand there. <laughs> what if Trevor Lawrence has a horse phobia? and No one knew.
1: Yeah, and that's like the that's like a, the horse becomes the Kryptonite. Exactly. So take down Superman. Um, uh, that's pretty good. I do have a game day observation. There bro. we go. I knew talking long enough. Um, did one. It's it's football related, but it was interesting when. When Michael Pittman scored on that screen touchdown, he, if you watch it, he, he, he gets tackled in the end zone and he jumps up and he grabs the ball and he palms it and he runs over to the stands and he grips it and then he just stops. And he said in that moment he realized, like, don't throw the rookie quarterback's first touchdown pass into the stands. And so, so then he, like, held it and looked for Anthony and he handed it to him. Well, what happened was Anthony – didn't realize what he was doing that for. He thought he was just like handing the ball back to the quarterback, and so Anthony kind of tossed it somewhere else, and so Anthony didn't know where the ball was. And luckily, some staffer ended up finding it. And we talked to Anthony. He was like really wanting that ball. And we get to the locker room, and the ball's sitting there on the shelf in his locker from that touchdown pass. And you know, he had a he was he was frustrated about losing, but I, I noticed he he got a little smile out of just seeing that there and just the reality of. What this was like to to play your first NFL game and and have a moment like that that he'll put on a shelf at home and always look back on and tell people about his first ever touchdown pass, which is probably going to be his easiest touchdown pass because it was a screen pass, but it all counts the same anyway. Do we
0: know? Do we know? Does he have the running touchdown? The rushing touchdown? I asked
1: that he does not have that one. Oh, so he no. is not yet, at least. He has. He has just the passing one. That's a good. That's a good game day observation. That, there's
0: the other interlude, uh, the middle of it, the, the sort of fun piece of it, is three football things that brought me joy today. And I'm, I, this is, is going to happen maybe for the only time on this podcast. I'm super excited about it. It's all going to come from one play. <laughs> I can imagine what play that is. It's, it's all going to come from one play. It took a spectacular play to have this happen. But three football things that brought me joy. Number one, I love I love when a pass rusher hits a quarterback from behind so hard that he can't get the pass off. Like, if you go back and watch the slow motion of Buckner hitting Lawrence, like, if there's less force coming from from Buckner when he hits him, I think that it could be one of those plays where, like, he kind of, like, pushes it forward. Because he's he's kind of getting ready to – like, he's almost at the point of starting his motion. Mm -hmm. But he hits him so hard that, like, his arm comes forward, but the ball has already shot up into the air for a fumble. (laughs) Like, I love it when a pass rusher does that. Like, you can give that to me in any game – if I'm watching at home, if I'm watching Missouri and Middle Tennessee State, which was a terrible game to watch, by the way, if that I'm happens in that game, it. I'm going to enjoy that. Number two on football things that brought me joy. Zaire Franklin doing like the prototypical middle linebacker thing. <laughs> like the the stereotypical middle linebacker is like fire breathing and kills you. And we got some of those we got some of those hits from Zaire Franklin today. But he's also supposed to be like the smartest guy on the defense. Mm. And Buckner hits this ball. It goes up in the air. Tank Bigsby, a rookie from Jacksonville, picks it up, and he's just kind of standing there. And there's a couple other Colts that are actually just standing there thinking the play's over. And Zaire Franklin's like, no. (laughs) Heck no. (laughs) And comes in and punches the ball out, realizing that the whistle has not blown yet. And then I I don't know who was pointing at it. It was probably Zaire, though, because he's the only one who seemed, for a little while, who seemed to realize that the play was still live. Like getting DeForest Buckner's attention because he ended up being the, the closest person to it to go get the ball and take off, and that brings me to my third one, which is DeForest Buckner. Uh, I've joked with him. I didn't actually interview him. I was just joking with him about it in the locker room after the game. Like I knew. I said I knew you. I knew you got the touchdown if you got to the three yard line because your arms are so long. There's no way you could keep it out. And he said, he said, oh, you know, I wasn't going to let it. He said, and more importantly, I wasn't going to let an offensive lineman keep me from scoring a touchdown. <laughs> So you get you get DeForest Buckner reaching out his, I use this I use this on uh, on Twitter so I'm going to use it on on uh, on the podcast too his Quetzalcoatlus like wingspan. Wow, that is something you can look up later if you can spell it. There's no chance I
1: can spell that, <laughs> but it sounds interesting.
0: It's a it's essentially I mean like it's not a dinosaur but it's a dino- it's from dinosaur times it's like it's okay. an enormous bird like creature. Uh, using that wingspan to get in. It's a good adjective for divorce, Buckner. And the stretch, well, I didn't like, I think think when I initially looked up largest wingspan for a bird, it was albatross. I didn't want to use albatross. Mm -hmm. They have other meanings to them. Mm -hmm. So we used Quetzalcoatlus, which did come to me, I will (laughs) say this, that did come to me immediately for a dinosaur, and it's because I have three sons, and the oldest is seven, and they are all obsessed with dinosaurs. And I have read so many dinosaur books (laughs) in the last seven years. Uh, so they'd be proud of you. Time to get back to the the uh, this the the serious stuff, and this is the stuff that we end up ending on. Uh, well, I oh oh you oh, have you have a football have, thing that a brought football you things joy things that bring me joy. There's a couple. Sometimes this is just a Joel. Sometimes I know. This is just a Joel segment. But if Nate's got, I him, get lost in bring some of in. these.
1: There's a couple of them though. One one of them is what you referenced. The Zaire's ability to lay the wood is just really fun to me. Just like an old kind of classic old school linebacker, the way that he. Hit skies, but in a legal way. Yeah, like a, in like a gasp too. Well, and we saw the illegal way, like yeah.
0: the the one that got flagged on, a- on Drew Ogletree was like the epitome of what you don't want. Yeah, like plenty of room to hit Ogletree lower. Clearly targeted the head and had plenty of time. Like, so you're right. Like there is something to be said for Franklin getting a gasp from the crowd without doing
1: that, yeah and I I just it ties together for me because I was there in Philly when he did that to Kenneth Gainwell and Jason Kelsey ran in and hit him from behind and I love the way Zaire answered that where he said like our intensity is our intensity and, and his job's to bring it and like to be honest with you like late last year I felt like this team needed more edge need a little bit more fight in them in a legal way but like the right version of it and I think Zaire Zaire's just He's just become that guy. It's it's just a fun evolution to see him go from, you know, special teamer, you know, run down linebacker who didn't play a whole lot to he's he's the heart and soul of, you know, what they want to be on defense. So that's a lot of fun. The other one, the other observation I have is not not as fun for Colts fans, but I just as a football junkie, I I just love watching Trevor Lawrence sometimes. And there's just every games like this, there's a couple of throws he makes a game that you're like, that's why you're the number one pick. And it's the same kind of thing I think we're going to see from Anthony down the road. But Trevor, today, the throw to Zay Jones for the touchdown was just utterly ridiculous. The way he's just, the, the arm strength he's able to have to grip that ball and just like zip it on a line right, you know, right there along the sideline. Um, and then Zay Jones made a wonderful catch. It's just like that's the type of thing that's like it didn't matter that much what Darryl Baker Jr. was going to do on that play because. Great offense beats great defense, and um, and Trevor's becoming, becoming one of those guys. And then the third one that I thought about is a play at the end of the first half where Anthony Richardson got hit from behind while he was about to throw, like right at the top of the release, and somehow held on to that ball. Yeah, I still don't totally fully understand ground. this. It's like it just shows you the sheer power and strength of his hands and how big they are as it looked impossible to hold on to. It looked like a – a strip sack waiting to happen and, and and I'm looking around like where'd the ball go and it's just in his hand and so it's like the, he's, like they say he's uh the kids say he's built different
0: look at you using a hip reference
1: I'm that hip. brings us to
0: the the sort of the finisher categories the ones that the, the first one changes it can be too much blame or too much credit and too little blame too little credit it's blame if they lose it's credit if they win Obviously, when we started doing this last year, when I switched to the categories, we have only done too much blame and too little blame. <laughs> they have not won since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, so we'll start with too much blame. We'll start with too much blame for for what happened today. Uh, and this this actually is a little bit of a difficult category. I'm it is struggling a little. It bit. is
1: because I I don't want to imply that they don't deserve any blame. But I guess in this one, I'm going to go with the offensive line, even though I consider them for a bad category. But the offensive line, because they deserve some blame. Don't get me wrong. They did not run block the way that they needed to at all. Um, but I do think it. they've usually been, the over the past years we've been doing this, they've been a big reason why they've not won games. And, again, it's sort of like with Anthony, but but maybe a little worse than that. But, like, like they didn't go out and win this game, but – I don't think they lost it necessarily either. I at least was impressed with, like, Bernard Ryman. I didn't really notice him outside of, like, he had a nice block in the screenplay. You know, when he was getting down the field on on some of those, you notice him in a good way. But I I just don't know that the offensive line pass pro, at least, was the issue. You brought up the play with Braden Smith, you know, technically giving up a sack. I I thought Braden did a fine job on that. So in terms of pass pro, I thought – I thought they gave them enough of a chance in what was still a pretty hard matchup against Josh Allen and, and Trayvon Walker. Uh, you know, I just they they didn't help enough. They didn't um, certainly the amount of resources they poured into that group. You need more still out of them than that. But in terms of like assigning blame, I'm still putting a lot more on the the lack of skill players and everything they did than than the offensive line too much playing for me. I think it's a defensive line. There's a lot of talk
0: especially in the first half about not enough pass rush and, and there probably wasn't, but I I I have a feeling, I have an inkling that when I look at the time to throw this week when they, when next gen stats puts it out that that Lawrence is going to be high up again cuz I remember thinking a couple times early on like why are they throwing so quickly? Mm-hmm. And obviously that, that what they did in the run game was very very good. You know, for almost the entire game. And there were they all kind of made plays in that area, the, especially yeah. the starters. You know, Pay, Stewart, Buckner, Abukam had a, 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 an incredible uh, stop on a counter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there was there was a lot of good stuff. I just remembered the Zaire Franklin hit. It was the Jamal Agnew play, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was. They tried so,
0: they tried something a little tricky with Jamal Agnew, like a little like flip to him on the side, and he got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. That just popped into my head while we were talking about
1: the other tackles for loss. Um, it stands out to me. I covered Jamal in Detroit, and he's like he's like Josh Downs' size. So yeah, like and, that and, was and a Zahir lot. Zaire
0: was flying when he made that play. But uh, the defensive line, I thought,
1: like let's let's see them go against somebody who holds the ball a little more. Um, yeah, and that's where like that ties into how impressed I am with Trevor. There are moments where they flushed him, and he can just he can he's that rare quarterback who can like step back and arm a throw that's stronger than a lot of guys stepping forward. And there were a couple moments like that that were just like, I mean, could the rush have been better? Yes, but it. <laughs> most quarterbacks can't escape and do the things that he can do.
0: Inverse of too much blame is too little blame. What What, what is not going to be talked about enough in this week and in the coming weeks?
1: Um, hmm. Interesting. I mean, honestly, it probably I would tie back to Anthony Richardson. Just that there were there was more he could have done that's the thing is like he put a lot on a rookie quarterback, so we don't want to give him too much blame, but it is possible to give him too little and while I don't think he got helped out at all today, I still think like the great ones still find a way to sort of push through that sometimes they make the plays they 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 kind of create something out of nothing in the passing game with the receivers around them. Anthony's just not there yet obviously it's totally understandable why. But I don't think this was a situation where you sit back and say there's nothing he could have done better. There were. There were some misses in the second half. Um, and, you know, just just moments where I thought he could have seen it a little bit quicker. Um, just all normal rookie stuff, but he does deserve a little blame too.
0: I'm going to go with the secondary in this category. Uh, here's, here's the statistic that, that sparked this in my head. The Colts had three pass breakups. Do you know who got them?
1: Three, three passes. Uh, defended. Zaire
0: got one. Okay, Zaire Franklin is one. I remember that correct. one.
1: <laughs> Tony Brown
0: is one because a oh, that's right interception counts Let's as a pick. pass defended, and Dio Dengbo is the other. <laughs> what that means is that none of the Colts starting defensive backs broke up a pass. Not great. There were a couple of there were a couple of bad plays with Calvin Ridley. Um, there were like they just need to get their hands on more balls mm-hmm. they have to um there was a dropped interception from julian blackman which i'm kind of surprised that that's not a pbu is it a penalty
1: i don't think so. that was s- because they so
0: too too little blame to the stat sheet <laughs> yeah for not picking that up there should be one for now that's blackman. a fair one it got the ball got thrown right to him he yeah. should have picked it off and but that's the thing; he should have picked that off. Like mm-hmm. it was, it hit him right. And I, I obviously he he wishes he had it back. That could have really changed the game. Um, so like I don't think we're going to be talking about the secondary much over the course of the next week. I think that ultimately, especially in the first half, they kind of picked on him, especially those outside corners. Uh, and so in terms of in terms of not enough, I think that that's that's probably there. That brings us to the last one. These are these are the final like wrap up categories. It is one to go on and one to throw away. We always start with one to throw away. Storyline, this is a storyline that is gonna come out of this game that people are gonna talk about a ton that is not necessarily going to continue. I I think for now, for me, I'll start this one off. For me right now, I'm not ready to have, like make, draw any sweeping conclusions on how Shane Steichen is coordinating and designing his offense. It's first game, it's a rookie quarterback, they're probably trying to help him. I I would just have to believe that Shane Steichen hasn't said the word explosives forty seven thousand times this off season when he said almost no words about the rest of the scheme that if he's not gonna start taking some shots. So for me, maybe not throw away, but I'm definitely tabling it. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't really think that this is what he want I don't think that what we saw today is what he wants the offense to look like. So I know I threw him in – I threw him in villain.
1: Yep, unsung villain.
0: Uh, but, like, like I, I just am not expecting him to do this for the entirety. I don't think this is his offense for the entirety of his time here.
1: Well, it's like you said. Those other categories are about, like, judging this one game. So he was an unsung villain in some ways. But that doesn't mean it's going to carry on. So I'm with you on that. Uh, just <laughs> – I joke about it in here a lot. I Just the, the obsession with that people have with, with offensive play calling and – um, it's just funny to me because I just think we're going to go through it again. Anytime a team doesn't lose, it was Frank Reich, it's not Shane Steichen. It's just, it's kind of how it goes. It really sometimes. wouldn't matter. It really wouldn't matter who the play caller was. That's
0: true. Like, yeah. I, I think, I think if you look around the league and if I talk to other beat writers, like, people always hate the play caller.
1: Even yeah. Andy Reid. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the one that I'll say I'm not going to necessarily, um, I'm not going to necessarily carry on, as I think, I think it's pretty easy to look at today and just say like, the Colts' tight ends are really bad, and the Colts' tight ends haven't done a lot in a, in a while. I'm just going to give them a little bit of a pass. Jelani Woods is by far the most talented tight end they have. He's injured right now. Hopefully for them it's only, does he have to do his four games? Yes. Yeah, so hopefully for them it's only three more games. I think that'll – we talk about upside and explosive plays. He did a lot of that down the stretch last season. That's got to be the guy who brings that back. Um, you know, I thought Kyle Granson was was fine, actually, when you talk about targets. He had four catches for 39 yards. You know, that's that's kind of what he is. And then, I mean, Drew Ogletree, just that, that hit he took, had no fault of his own, knocked out of the game, didn't get to come back. And then they're down to two tight ends because of that. And one of thems Mo Alley-Cox, who is just – to block, you know, I, they certainly could have done better building that out. And then Kylan Granson, like I said, I think he, he's fine for what he is. But I just think without going forward over the course of things, I think developing Jelani Woods and Drew Ogletree together is going to bring out kind of the hope of the future of that position. And today just wasn't a fair look for either of them.
0: Okay, that brings us to the last one. This is the opposite of the one we just did. It is one to go on, one to take to the bank. Uh,
1: something that we're going to be talking about all season long? Um, players matter. And Jonathan Taylor is an awesome player. Oh, and we're oh you, Jonathan Taylor? Okay. Yeah. And you cannot just <laughs> – it, it is not just as simple as roll out a scheme, throw anybody out there in the backfield, and they're just going to run super, super well. And I, I just think people I, – I think today was a good example of that. And, yes, Shane Steichen came from the Eagles, and at times they've done it with different running backs – they also have the best offensive line of football. They have two awesome wide receivers that make teams play in two high safeties. They have now have an MVP-style quarterback. They have a two-way tight end. When you have all that around the running back, you can lessen what it means. But today it was on these guys, and they just like – I mean, that that wasn't passable. That, that, it, it isn't a run game right now, and it wasn't enough to have – you know, Anthony Richardson's the most athletic quarterback in the history of football – and I do think Shane's incredibly talented, so I'm not taking away from those guys. I'm just saying it's a reminder that players still matter, and especially in terms of creating those explosive plays. I Maybe i will be wrong on this, but I don't think we're going to see them scheme up consistently explosive run plays that were like, okay, that was just scheme and Anthony setting that up for someone else. I think to actually get that kind of high upside from the running back position, you need a high upside player. Jonathan Taylor can do it. They don't have another back who can do it.
0: Mine dovetails with this. That's why I got worried there for a
1: second. I didn't mean to interrupt you,
0: but I was worried that, like, your rule about trying not to double up on I was like, no, I, I have one for this. But it, it dovetails with it. It's close to it. Chris Ballard's strategy of we like our guys. I the, mm. I can't remember which Twitter user. I apologize. I should have looked this up. But they said is... Is uh, we like our guys going to end up defining the shortcomings of the Chris Ballard ros- of the Chris Ballard era? That's good on the roster. I. It's it's a really good way of putting it. I wish I would have put it that succinctly. I can't take credit for it. Um, it's on my it's on my timeline. If you want to go find out who actually said it, it's on my timeline. I did respond to it, like this over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like, they, they keep – he keeps taking these positions, and he says, we're just going to focus on the young guys. We're going to focus on the young guys. We're going to focus on the young guys. And, they, like, it always – a couple, one or two of them always ends up blowing up in their faces. Last mm-hmm. year, more than that blew up in their faces. It's going to happen again. Like, they didn't necessarily get enough from Alec Pierce today. When he got hurt, though, Jawan Winfrey went in there. Yeah. And, I mean, the lack of deep throws, I think, takes Pierce out of the game some. But, like – even with that like with the wide receiver position they are counting on all of these guys to do exactly what they think they could do when they drafted them which is not how it always works out same thing at cornerback they're expecting these guys to hit the ceiling of their projections that's that's not how it's going to work out offensive line depth quentin nelson went down for a little bit today with a toe injury josh sills went in I didn't necessarily notice anything, but if a couple of injuries happen on the offensive line, you're going to be sending guys in there who've never played an NFL game, and you can like their talent, you can like the potential of who they might be in the future, that they might not get there. There have been a lot of guys through the Chris Ballard era that he's drafted or he's picked up and he's put something on, and they didn't get to where they were supposed to be, especially on the offensive line, like Matt Pryor and Danny Pinter at left tackle and right guard. It just happened last year, just last year. All, not all of the ifs are going to hit in it in any given year if it does i'm sure we're going to hear about it for the rest of his time but like this is going to keep happening there's going to be spots i i don't think you can write off any one spot right now because it is the first week we don't know for sure exactly how this is going to turn out but we've been talking about a lot of these trouble spots throughout the off season, and they haven't you know buttressed it with guys And one of them's going to go bad. I think we're going to be talking about at least one, maybe two, uh, in terms of spots where it didn't pan out the way they thought they would, and it ends up hurting the roster and hurting their offensive production or defensive production in in one way or the other. And it's it's become part of something that's happened over and over again in with the Colts. Like you you guys know them. I don't have to go through them, but it's you know it, it happens year after year. It's been the offensive line. It's been the defensive line. Wide receiver in some years, cornerback in some years, like tight end, it, tight end, it, it just like he keeps doing it, and eventually one will blow up. And I think we're going to be talking about something blowing up and looking like, looking like they should have addressed it more in the offseason.
1: Yeah, I again, I can't take credit for this either. Someone else said it, and I'm really am forgetting where it came from, but someone said that like a key difference between Chris Ballard and say Howie Roseman is that Howie Roseman's never satisfied. He never says we like our guys and therefore it's good enough and we're done. Like He's just always aggressively looking to improve in any moment. Even if you're really good at something, still try to improve. Even if you have Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, you can go out and trade for A.J. Brown. Even though you have a secondary with you know James Bradbury and, and Darius Slay, you can trade a draft pick for C.J. Gardner-Johnson and turn into an elite unit. He does that on the offensive line a lot. That doesn't mean how he's perfect, but the thing it's the mindset of it is the Eagles had a really stout defensive line. Always, you know, last year, you know, what they had way more sacks than anybody else. They still were the team that drafted Jalen Carter because to them it's not, you know, you can take a step back and I think that's where what's interesting with me with Chris is that he likes to talk about how he doesn't like when um when teams can kind of sit back and say, "Well, we were only a playoff here and if this play changes" Uh, we would have won this game because he calls that fool's gold and you don't want to fall for fool's gold. Well, to me, some of it's fool's gold to say, like, you know, in some of these spots we're happy with our offensive line because they ran pretty well in the final eight games last year. Well, what if they take a step back? What if injuries happen? You can't just assume that, so, that because it was fine one year or even good one year that it's just roll it back and it's going to be the same thing the next. And that happens, a, you know, a lot here. So I thought about that too.
0: I, I prefer –
1: I prefer the approach where you create re- redundancies at
0: positions. I don't think that's bad. I think it's good. I think it's good to create redundancies at positions because it gives you a chance or it gives you an option in case someone of them doesn't work out. This is a it's mm-hmm. it's from the twenty twenty two Colts, so it doesn't it doesn't carry a ton of weight. But if you just think about they traded up and drafted Nick Cross last year, thinking he could be the strong safety of the future. They signed Rodney McLeod for very little money, right? Well Nick Cross ended up essentially only playing on the defense for two games mm-hmm. rodney mcleod had a very good season last year on a terrible team in on a good team on a different team like the fact that you signed mcleod and gave yourself an option besides cross would look great and it didn't cost much it cost like 1.77 Damn. million dollars or something like that like it didn't cost much like i think that that's probably more the way you should go about it instead and, of just like leaving it up to stuff i I like it if there's redundancies. I like it if you're like, oh, no, we have too many good players. Where are we going to play them? And that's Not when you're filling out the roster and you're like, okay, there's 49 guys here who are clear NFL players. Who are the rest? Who are we betting on?
1: And it's just interesting because there are moments where when Chris Chris Ballard tries that, he can be really good at it. I mean, Rodney McLeod's a great example of that. I think about, like, he found Rodney Thomas in the seventh round but didn't count on him for anything. You know, that was – They didn't know what position he was going to be exactly. They had Julian Blackman at free safety. They had signed Rodney McLeod. But they end up getting this huge bonus in a seventh-round pick who ends up being a starter. And, like, I think you can do do it. It's not one or the other. It's not do you like your guys or do you want to add other players. It can be both where, you know, if you end up having a Rodney Rodney Thomas who just way outperforms, then the next year, you know, that affects how you build out the room. You let Rodney McLeod go. You turn him into – You know, full time free safety. You can move Julian Blackman to strong safety. It opens up other things. And Chris can be good at it when he wants to take it to that level. It's just the kind of the lack of swings. You got to take more swings to, you know, to have a better chance of doing it. And then those bonuses, I think, can stand out even more because maybe the next year you say, okay, we can let this guy go into free agency because we found a bonus here. Instead, it's counting on the bonus sometimes. And when it doesn't come through, then you're kind of in a tricky situation. Colts lose their season opener, 31-21. to 21.
0: Um, Our first chance to look at them. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk. I think the focus still is on Richardson. They play Houston next week. That's going to be a very interesting game, I think, for me because Houston is not a team like Jacksonville that's supposed to be winning the division. Um, it's, it's a team in a in building mode. It's going to be Richardson versus C.J. Yeah. Stroud. He scored nine points this week. Yeah, we will be back uh, midweek with another pod uh, for the Colts Cover 2 podcast. That's the first impressions edition I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. You'll hear from us midweek.